Everyday peacemakers are not professional humanitarians. We are everyday people who are learning to see God and ourselves in others. We're daring to step off the road of comfort and immerse into reality. In the face of injustice, conflict, and violence, we are choosing to contend not by getting even, but by getting creative in love. Everyday peacemakers are everyday people who are embedded within a world divided by difference, and these are our stories. Welcome to Everyday Peacemaking, a global immersion podcast hosted by Haley Mitsui, John Huckins, and me, I'm Jer Swigert. And as always, we're gonna ease our way into this conversation with one of Haley's questions of the week. Question of the week. This one is one of our, our more profound soul-searching questions, and it is, if you were a potato, what way would you like to be cooked? Um, I'm going to start this one because I have an immediate follow-up question for myself, which is like, if I am the potato, I would like to be uncooked because I would like to preserve my existence. However, I don't Way think that's what the question is. the story you. of the potato hills. Shelf, shelf life <laughs> is significant with potatoes. It is. Um, think of all, all of the things I could do as an uncooked potato. But if I am consuming the potato, I love all ways that potatoes are cooked, but definitely fried. So any of the fried versions. Um, Preferably waffle fries, quite honestly, but any any real fry version is my is my preference. Uh, but what about one of you guys, John Jer? I'm really thinking of this in in the context of uh, me being the embodied potato, and who who and how does that make me uh, see myself in the world? If I'm a baked potato, mm. I would want to be cooked. But not overcooked, where I just become mushy and I just melt to the floor. But if I'm if I'm not cooked enough, I'm kind of hard and calloused, yeah. and just you know absolved from the plight of the world. So I want to be a modestly cooked baked potato that opens his heart but doesn't fall apart. That oh, rhymed. Oh wow! That rhymed. Oh, huh? That was a rhyme. Whoa! whoa. You want to be a whoa. baked potato? That's I'm not saying like, it's the I most mean, flavorful. <laughs> It's more like the such texture. A boring version of a potato. Man. God, it sounded so but, good, I thought. But I hear you I, from like the embodied perspective. I think that's very profound. Thank you. I think I'll just stick with that. Jer. You know, lesser known fact, I'm gonna go public with it right now. I hate potatoes. I hate potatoes. I hate French fries. I I hate hash browns. I hate American fries. No, what about gnocchi? Which is like the potato pasta. Correct. Man, I've only had it a couple times and pretty sure I hate it. Wow. <laughs> Let's just assume you do. What about it? You know, I, it's, it seems to me that the potato is a meaningless filler. It's, if, I'm, if I'm going to, if I'm going to consume calories, I want, I want it to be more meaningful. And, and potatoes, scallop potatoes, al gratin potatoes, or whatever you call them cheesy hot dish casserole potatoes that people eat in the Midwest. I'm just not into them. I have to say, as a result of, of Jer's allergy to potatoes, I've had approximately one-third more French fries in the last 10 years of my life than any human being should have, because I always That's eat his. That's really lucky, actually. Some would say. So, so if I were to be a potato, uh, I'm going to go down memory lane, and I would, I would prefer to be uh, 
potato pancake made out of yesterday's garlic mashed potatoes uh, because my dad made that one time. And I, I, I don't know if he did it on purpose or if it was an accident, but he actually he did that and he pulled it off. And it was the only potato that I truly preferred. What does that say about me? Um, it says that I'm a cold hearted person who likes to walk down memory lane from time to time. And I will mm-hmm. periodically consume a little bit of spud. Wow. As sad as it makes me hearing your distaste and disdain for potatoes. <laughs> the only thing that can lift my spirits is this wonderful conversation that we have with Mary Nichols, who's an incredible spiritual director. And we get to talk a little bit about spiritual listening, about softening our hearts, what it means to hold space for people. And I, I think, I think that you're going to get something really good out of it. I am thrilled to acknowledge and to thank one of our core sponsors of the Everyday Peacemaking Podcast. It's an organization called Respero. They're committed to making safe, life-giving conversations available and accessible to everyone. In short, they offer free counseling and support in those that want to get trained in counseling. And I know for me, this has felt like a uniquely rough year, but if we're honest, uh, every year has ups and downs if we're seeking to fully live towards wholeness. And for me personally, one of the central lifelines I've had is to be in regular counseling, tending to my heart, my head, my soul, aligning values with actions, creating space just to get stuff out that can often fester inside and tear me apart. So it's been through Respero and their counselors that I've had access to this type of deep care and accompaniment. So if you're personally in need of a counselor, wanting to grow, uh, or just get trained in being a counselor, check out Respero.org, where again, they offer personal counseling at no cost, They offer online courses and workshops, and they have counselor training if you feel compelled to actually grow in this way yourself. In the end, Respero's goal is to have more and more healthy and healing conversations happening in our world. So check them out, Respero.org. Mary has become a dear friend over these last few years and very much a spiritual guide for me and Global Immersion as an organization. And I'm really grateful to get to share some space and time with you today. So before we kind of dig into um, the peacemaking practices we want to talk about today, Mary, will you just introduce yourself a little bit and how you got connected to our Global Immersion community? Absolutely. So I am Mary Nichols and I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am a spiritual director here and I got connected with Global Immersion, gosh, it feels like about five years ago, Jer came to the church we were attending and spoke about starting this organization, this peacemaking organization. We were, my husband and I, taken by his story and really touched by it. And a year or two later, I was asked to go on the Israel-Palestine trip with TGIP. And I was blown away. Just life-changing trip and have loved all the things I've learned from Global Immersion since, since that time. So yeah, it's been a gift. I have enjoyed so many of the conversations that we have had over the years. And something that I I know is really close to your heart. Oftentimes at Global Immersion, we or peacemaking in general, we talk about like peacemaking peacemaking on these really systemic levels, um, mm-hmm. and or even neighborhood levels or city levels. But I think something that really strikes me as so profound with you is how your peacemaking practice is so one on one, so person mm-hmm. to person 
which at the end of the day really is the foundation of peacemaking. Mm -hmm. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about, um, about how peacemaking has manifested itself in your life and that really micro in one-on-one way. Well, you know, Haley, I have, um, all my life been one that has found one-on-one interactions to be very, very life-giving and transformative. And um, I remember a time sitting with a friend who was hurting for a whole afternoon. And I came home and I said to myself, wow, that if I could do that on a regular basis, I would feel like I had purpose, you know? being able to sit with another and hold space with another and hear their story, whether it's pain or joy, (laughs) celebration, lament, whatever it is, to hold it with another has always been really sweet to me. I have found that that is foundational work in peacemaking. I really have. And I remember Jer sharing a story, and I don't know if it was on the podcast or... Facebook or what, about a one-on-one interaction he had with a man and his son at a rally. And that conversation changed their feeling about the Confederate flag. And I thought, that's it. There's, there's purpose and work on all levels of peacemaking. But in my perspective, the foundational work is one-on-one conversation. And has, is that always easy for you? I mean, you said you left that initial conversation of holding space for someone and felt seems like it felt like it was very life-giving to you mm-hmm. personally as well as mm-hmm. meaningful. Have you found that every conversation or every time you hold space in that way that it's easy? Oh gosh, no. <laughs> there's there's absolutely times when it is very hard and I'd love to run the other way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And you know, being a feeler as I am, a deep, deep feeler, that some of the difficulty um, with sitting one-on-one with another, especially in a hard place, in a broken place, is is feeling it with them can be very heavy, very heavy. Do you have any examples of a time where you were navigating through that one-on-one heaviness or conflict or just an example of when you had to do it in that way or in that context. Yeah, Haley, there was a there was a time when I was in relationship with a woman that I worked with and it was really really hard to be in space with her. I tend to get along with most everybody, you know? And this person was like sandpaper or fingernails on a chalkboard or, you know, the two of us in a room were like oil and water and it Mm. confounded me. It really was hard. And I became a person I didn't recognize and I became a person that I didn't really like. And so it was really no wonder that she didn't like me much. Um, So that relationship kind of really spun out of control and um, our boss had to do a mediation with us. It was really humiliating. It was really humiliating. Something that you you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation and kind of harkens back to things I know we've talked about before is this concept of spiritual listening. And I'm yeah. curious how that really difficult 
conflict with your coworker, how that moved you toward this posture of spiritual listening when I assume that probably you wanted to be defending oneself then kind of being willing to sit and listen. So yeah, yes. what what kind of turned that paradigm yes. for you? That's that's such a good question, Haley. You know, I look back at that time and I'm I'm just ashamed of the way I behaved. And you know, global immersion talks about seeing the humanity, dignity, and image of God in the other and ourselves. And I couldn't, I couldn't see the humanity, dignity, image of God in her or myself at that time. Mm -hmm. And so when we had the mediation, we were able to kind of take deep breaths, rewind, 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 talk about what happened and how it got to this point and really look at each other. And that was humbling and difficult and humiliating in a way. Um, but by the end of it, we were able to say, I love you. Mm. And even today, we check in with each other and can call each other friends and can still say, I love you. But that time was so hard, it turned me in toward myself to really examine, how do I look at another? How do I see another? How do I really listen to another. And it led me to begin my training in spiritual direction. It also brought me to a place of confession. And that has become a very important part of my peacemaking practice, in, especially in difficult relationship. When I can come fresh off of confessing my role in it, it brings me to a, a humble place and it brings me to a place of grace and a clearer, clearer vision of the other, mm. if you will. And my training in spiritual listening has really, really helped with that. There's been, there's been a kind of slowing down in conversation and in relationship and a leaning in more with curiosity, you know, and choosing to use the eyes of God to look at this person. You mentioned earlier the practice of confession being really key in your process of conflict or healing. Can you just give one small example of what a practice of confession looks like? Yes. Um, I'm thinking of a conversation I had um, not too long ago with, with a woman that I was in conflict with. And before I went to see her, you know, I just took 10 minutes or so to just sit, to sit quietly and, and just ask Jesus, what things do I need to lay down before I go sit with her? Because I, like you said earlier, I wanted to come at her defensive. I wanted to be right. I wanted to make sure she knew all the ways that she had gone wrong or hurt me or saw things poorly. And the act of just asking, Jesus, show me some things that I need to just set down before you before I enter into this conversation with her. It softened me. You know, it softened me. We tend to lean forward and want to attack. And this caused me to sit softly across the table from her. It gave me, you know, bigger ears to hear, um, softer heart to listen. Mm softer heart to listen. I love mm -hmm. that. That's mm -hmm. when the soil 
of transformation, I feel like is our mm. softer, our softer hearts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lastly, before I let you go, I personally have been seeing a spiritual director for, I guess, the last five years. Mm-hmm. And her presence in my life has been fundamental to my really existence as a human being, but certainly yeah. my spiritual growth and development. And I do think that the concept of spiritual directors is not as widely known these days as maybe it was before or within evangelical communities as much as it is within Catholic or more mm-hmm. traditional communities. So I would love for you just to share a little bit about what spiritual direction is and and who might want to pursue um, spiritual direction. Spiritual direction is an ancient, ancient practice. And I would argue that Jesus practiced it when he approached people you know, when he came across people. Um, but it's a, it's a spiritual listening ministry. Mm-hmm. It's um, a companioning ministry. It's not a therapy, you know, and it's not mentoring, but it's really, you know, shoulder to shoulder companioning with another. It's listening for the Holy Spirit along with the other that you're listening to. A friend of mine described it as, you know, those moments, those times when she's with her spiritual director are light posts on her spiritual journey. Mm. And I love that visual because it is like an illumination of um, who you are, who God is, how God is working in your life. And it's sitting with the questions, not necessarily answering them, but sitting with them and holding them together and hopefully it's uh, a comfort and an encouragement. It's a clearer vision of who God is to you in your life. I feel so strongly about spiritual direction. Like you ask, like who would, who could seek it? And I think everyone should. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyone that is seeking to know God more, to live more like Jesus can benefit from spiritual direction. But Mm. often it's people who are at some kind of crossroads, whether it's a faith crisis or discernment, decision-making, broken relationship, uh, things like that. Mm. But I would argue that most everybody should have a spiritual director. (laughs) I'm with you in that one. Yeah. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Mary, thank you so much for teaching us about just the spiritual practice of listening and sitting with people and being with people. Um, you are so welcome. I know, I know that you are trans people around you are transformed by that ministry. And I pray that I can hold more of a space of that space in our world too. So thank mm, you so much. For I think you do Haley. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank Thanks, you. Mary. There's something uh, about Mary, the way she talks, the way that she, interfaces with the world that just makes my soul feel warm and at home. <laughs> and, and I think it probably uh, just speaks to my experience too as spiritual directors of how central, like she described spiritual direction as this ancient practice of spiritual listening, spiritual listening ministry of companionship, of being light posts. And um, I'm just struck in our world where where like voices and opinions always seem to be front and center. The invitation she just offered to us 
of what it looks like to listen and see that as a practical ministry and a ministry of peacemaking, that it's in listening. We can actually not only hear from others, but hear what God's doing in us um, is, is not, again, it's not an add-on as she's describing, like this is the, this is the work. And um, she just, she, I, I think back to my spiritual director who I think I've shared on here passed away last year. And the moments where I would, I would speak with him in ways that would uncover parts of my soul that I didn't even know existed. And, and then he would just, he would name what I said. It wasn't like he was adding some commentary to it. He would just name what I'd said. And and it would, it would be mirrored back to me in a way that made it a whole new reality. And to walk through those moments of consolation and desolation, joy and deep sadness, uh, and to be that kind of light post, like who, who is it that we're walking with in our own lives as peacemakers that, that we allow to be that kind of light post to us? I think is an important question for all of us to think through. Yeah, I, I was um, I was paying attention to even the pace of the conversation as like it's one of the things that really raised up to the surface for me when she was even talking about the pace of conversation, the pace of relationships, even the pace of this last conversation, Haley, between you and and, and Mary, both of you being contemplatives and uh, and in the realm of spiritual directors, I find that there's a there, there's a tempo by which the contemplatives um, explore and examine and reflect, and uh, and like the move, the movement, the pace of um, of the one to one the interpersonal peacemaking, the one to one relationship, pacing, 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 and you know it, what it raised up for me is like how we are always talking about how peace is a relational endeavor, right? It's not something that you can legislate. It's not something that you can contract. It's something that has to be built slowly, one step at a time. And when trust breaks and when relationships are interrupted, the pace at which we begin to put that stuff together, um, it's actually it actually means that the work of peacemaking is going to be much slower and it's going to take a lot longer than how rapid the break was. And, um, and so that, yeah, there's something about, uh, about pace there for us as we're thinking about, uh, tending to interrupted relationships in this season, uh, as we're thinking about bridging difference, uh, it's not going to happen fast. Let's give ourselves to the slow work of interpersonal peacemaking. The thing that's really sticking with me from that conversation with Mary is her talking about soft, about soft hearts, because that's what. I think she demonstrates so well and and she has this beautiful practice of spiritual listening which I wish we would have had more time to get into and at, you know where what's spiritual directing what's spiritual listening I don't know like what the exact definitions are but spiritual like when she talks about spiritual listening it really is just holding space for someone and there are a few things that when I think about them, I just know it would transform the world. Like one, one is, <laughs> you know, bunny trail, but one is that if everyone could see themselves the way God sees them, I just, I know the world would be transformed. And when Mary talks about the power of sitting and holding space for people and having a soft heart towards people. I just know that that would transform the world. And so just hearing her 
talk about with such humility conflicts she's been in and and her passion for spiritual direction. I think, you know, we may hear her and and think, oh, she's she's calm. Her her cadence of speaking is slow. I can't be like that. I'm aggressive or I'm I'm a say it like it is person. Or you may think that you you can't hold that space in the world because you have a very different personality or different strengths. But I would just, I just am sitting here challenged by the thought if, what if everyone, no matter our natural disposition, curated our skill of spiritual listening? And what what would the reverberations of that be? Just going off that hails with this, this spiritual listening and both the invitation for everyone to be able to practice that or to at least embrace that posture but also as a way to seek to understand that other everyone comes into the room with their own crap and she named that there's there's no vacuum here like there's um everyone's wounded uh everyone is wounded and everyone's carrying that in it manifests the way we hear each other even like you know we're going through a crazy time in our country right now just yesterday the capital was taken over by Trump supporters and like this domestic terrorism is at our steps. It makes me think of, you said, Hales, that if everyone understood the way God sees them, the world would be a different place. Like people that are carrying so much hostility and violence with them, what would happen? How would they be transformed if they were heard? Like if they were truly listened to or if they had an opportunity to get mirrored back the love that God has for them, how might that de-escalate? how they're showing up in the world. And of course, we all carry our violence into different spaces. That's just a really practical one that's front and center right now. Um, but we have to imagine it's possible. I, Haley, your commentary reminded me of um, some of the work that that we've been able to do with uh, Mary's Church in Minneapolis. And, um, and I remember sitting in a room with a group of everyday peacemakers, and Mary was actually a part of helping to facilitate this. And we actually got curious with her as a group um, because of her skill of holding space and entering in with a soft heart. And, um, and in a way, I think that was even permissive. It's permissive, John, to what you're saying, for people to walk in the room recognizing, I'm walking into the room not all put together. And I, I can do that because of who and how Mary is. And I remember getting curious as a group with Mary about who and how she is. And, um, and, we started to unpack with her, which was a fun, a fun and, and interesting uh, experience for her. But like we got, we started to make observations about her body and the way that she she holds her body when she sits. Um, we made observations about the the verbals, uh, the verbal cues that she offers in in the one to one context. The the ways in in which she uses her voice to invite people uh, to. Um, to offer more and to feel safe. And, and, and so like I hear people say things like holding space and soft hearts. And I think I, I, I haven't heard people talk well yet about like what that actually means. But what I can point to is what it, what I think it looks like. And, and I think I think it looks holding space looks like something. It looks like the way that that we sit in our chairs. It looks like the, it looks like the the um, the, the gestures we use with our faces. Even it looks like the way that we hold our eyes. It looks like how we maintain our our eye contact and um, and affirm and confirm what we hear a person saying. 
Uh, and I think, I think Mary is exceptional at that. And I think those are peacemaking practices. I think those are skills in the interpersonal space uh, for actually tending what might be interrupted between us. Yeah. And I think that speaks to Jer, this, it's not, it's not officially a peacemaking practice that we, uh, that we, yeah, it's not an official peacemaking practice, but we often talk about kind of this dance of doing and becoming. And so perhaps in the process of learning how to hold space, we do things like soften our physical body presence or try to quiet our own mind. And the becoming is that eventually our insides match our outsides in a way that when that when we learn to quiet ourselves, quiet our bodies, our insides learn how to quiet and and um, to be to be pre- when we're present to ourselves, we learn how to be present to others. So I feel like Mary models that that dance of doing and becoming so well as she talks about her own her own journey through conflict and into her calling as a spiritual director. Mary, thanks for bringing us back to these fundamentals of peacemaking, for reminding us and showing us the power of spiritual listening and really encouraging us to notice who is holding space for us in our in our own lives and who are we holding space for or who can we hold space for in our own lives and context. Friends, God's restoration is happening. Now go and participate in it and know that you are not alone. For more information on the work of Global Immersion, visit globalimmerse.org. Music in this episode was by King's Kaleidoscope and The Eagle and Child. This podcast is produced by Global Immersion and Adventure Vision Productions. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate us, and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your excellent podcasts.